Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, ranging from nutrition to physical and mental health. I am Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guest, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast, which includes interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical health, mental health, and my five-minute food facts series on YouTube. Hit the red subscribe button or on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions, and it is not a substitute for advice from your own health professional. Today, I am here with Lara Casanova. Lara is a yoga teacher, a life coach, and a professional counsellor specialising in grief and loss. She is also trained in Pilates instruction and remedial massage. Lara is an animal enthusiast, something we very much have in common, and a grief survivor. In today's discussion, we are going to focus on Lara's role as a grief counsellor and on her latest book on the subject, Grief, Grace and Gratitude, Transforming Through Your Grief Journey. Hello, Lara. Welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast. Hi, Amanda. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Lara, you've had an interesting and varied career, and like many women that I've interviewed, you've moved into an area that aligns with your personal values, and one in which you can offer insight and meaningful support to others. Can you set the scene for us and tell us about your career and some of the things you've done and how you've arrived at where you are today? Sure. So I started um, in a bank and then I transitioned into the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Um, And after many years in the corporate world, I had my long service. I found for me it was a bit of a soulless existence. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was in a reasonably poor relationship and I started to develop anxiety quite badly 24-7. Oh, dear. So I decided I needed to make a change, which was very hard to do in that Mm -hmm. state. But I did. I resigned and I went and worked in a bookstore part-time and I started studying counselling. So I thought if I study counselling, I'll learn how to fix myself and how to fix others. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And after a little while, I... um, decided that I needed a little bit more of a challenge. I was healing my anxiety that was coming under control once I'd left the two triggering places, Mm -hmm. the relationship and the job. And I started to work in a vet clinic. And while I was in the vet clinic for another 10 or 12 years or so, I delved into life coaching study. I did grief counseling study. I did management study. I did Pilates. Wow. Remedial (laughs) massage. I'm a bit of a study freak. Yes, I can tell. Just a true seeker. I just need to seek all the information I can to have Mm. the best life that I can. And we can only do that for ourselves. So then I moved into a bit of a smaller vet. And then my dad passed away um, and about a year after that I went on a holiday and I decided that I was going to leave the vet world as much as I loved Mm -hmm. it and go on a bit of a sabbatical and really sit with my grief. 
And so that's what I did. And I took that whole year to do a few different things, yoga teacher training. I traveled to Italy, um, revisited where I had been with my father and sat Mm -hmm. in the basilicas with their ancient charm and architecture and dealt with my grief. And then I wrote the book. Oh, wow. Well, that's a really interesting career path. You've done lots of different things. I think um, having also worked in the corporate world, it can be a little bit soul-destroying. There's no real creative outlet. No. And I certainly didn't ever get the sense that I was helping others. Yes, and I totally understand that. And as much as it it was good for me for a Mm. while and I learned a lot from the corporate world, but I operate very much from my heart space and all of a sudden I decided and realised that it was not doing anything for that. And I wasn't following my passion or my purpose and I was a lot more creative than I ever gave myself credit for. Oh, that's And I think we all are. Yes, and I guess it... um, it's also it's a very good grounding, I think, being in the corporate world, and um, it makes you think clearly, and it gives you certain skill set. Yeah. But it's also very brave to leave it, I think. Especially after twelve years, yeah. and I was on a very good salary, yeah, and I had a company um, car, and my dad mm. said, "You've just bought a house, Lara." I'm like, "Don't worry, it'll all work out," <laughs> and it has. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've worked hard to make it work. That's, that's right. That's well, obvious. We, de- we design our lives the way we want them to be. Yes. But it takes time. It does, to make those and moves. dedication. Mm. So uh, you mentioned that your father died and you were obviously very close to him mm-hmm. and it was a traumatic experience for you, which you will realise if you read Lara's book. So that prompted you to write Grief, Grace and Gratitude. So how long after he died were you able to see the grieving process clearly enough to actually write about it? It was about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So on that sabbatical, I knew that I needed to go inside and Mm -hmm. look within and sit with the grief. So for me, it's about you can't sidestep grief or go under or over it. You've got to kind of walk to the epicenter of that pain Mm. and walk straight through it. And I knew I had to do that if I wanted to heal as best as I could from it. And I didn't really want to take that journey. I'd done it only a year prior Mm. with my dog and six months prior to that with a relationship. So it was a little hard to do it all over again, but I had to put my life on hold and do it. Also, I knew it was going to have long-standing consequences. So it was about a year and a half after the Italy trip and the yoga teacher training, which were both really nourishing and Mm -hmm. soothing for that grief, I was able to sit down and write the book. Right. That must have been quite hard as well because it would have forced you to relive it a Mm. bit. Well, it did, but I think that that for me and... um, you know it's part of the healing process for me to sit down and it started out when I wrote my book as a bit of like an extended um, version of my journal Mm -hmm. and then I had about a hundred thousand words and the editor cut back some of that and made it a little bit more less journaly and more Mm -hmm. self-development and 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 for the book so but it was very cathartic I cried the whole time I wrote it but once I wrote the end literally wrote the end and set it off for editing I felt I had cleared a lot of grief it's still there it assimilates within us it never really goes away we just learn to live with it but I'd cleared that really soul destroying when you you, you're howling with grief that's coming up from your gut and just devastated and and sunk in sadness and that had kind Mm. of lifted and all of a sudden I was excited about life again oh that's that's great to hear I mean that that type of grief it uh, you can't when you're in the thick of it you can't really control it I think it mm. just overwhelms you 
uh, a very, very dear friend of mine died uh, seven years ago now and not a day goes by where I don't think of mm-hmm. her. But now I think of her more with fondness and think of some of the funny things that we did not. It's not always sort of this crushing, sad feeling. Yes. So. And I think that's where where we can go and where we can get to if we heal our grief with time and space and there's that old saying of oh in time it'll get better time heals all wounds Mm. which i believe is only a bit of a half truth because if we don't put in the work we need to have the time and the work to get to that place and if we just avoid or suppress our grief it can stay with us in that destructive form for Mm. a long time and a lot of people never get to that space that they can feel the love and it's that dichotomy of grief you know it's the devastation of the grief and the beauty of the love and the love is there when you walk through all that pain Mm. it just resurfaces and you may cry but then you're laughing about something that they've done and it's a it's a nice place to be in so uh obviously uh you've healed yourself as much as you can through grief so what why did you actually want to write about it and um produce something that others could use what was the motivating factor for that initially for me well starting with my first book it was probably for me to self-express mm-hmm. and um, help myself but I always wanted to write a book and put it out there and I think that's the same when I did the grief coat counseling and the life coaching I've got this thing of we're just wanting to help others mm. or, or share my experience and for a long time even with my anxiety I would have never told anyone that I had anxiety yeah. for 12 months whereas now I'm an open book plastered mm. all over my website on blogs because if it can help someone else um, and I think we get to that place we're just very authentic and we're we're happy to share and um, and then in turn it can and ripple out to other people and and I love connecting to other people um, and being able to help them. Oh, that's a, that's really beautiful that you do that. We have a beautiful dog barking in the background. Yes. I'm a very much an animal lover, so he can bark and contribute all he would like. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. <laughs> I'd like to discuss how the book is set out. But before I do that, there are two recurring references in the book. The first is to the colour pink and the second is to butterflies. So can you tell us what's the significance to you of the colour pink and of butterflies? Sure. If you come to my house, I have the hot pink front door. That's kind of the start of it. So I just really do love the colour pink. I used to wear a pink ribbon in my hair every day for two years when I worked at the last vet clinic. But mainly because um, it was a saying coined back in the 16th century um, in the pink. That was the saying. And it's kind of means now to live in a perfect um, world, kind of physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So and that means we're living in the pink. Mm -hmm. So I really liked that name. And because of loving the color pink, I thought great business name so hence also the two covers of my books are pink and the third book that's to come soon is also pink and the website's quite pink so and I think it's also um a color of the in yoga it's color of the heart chakra as well Mm. and um you know we've got the pale pink crystals that I think represent love and so yeah it's got a lot of other meanings but for me it was that saying that really to live well in all the different areas of our lives which is hard to do to find that balance it is hard and I think pink is an uplifting color too. It is to it me. Sort of makes makes one smile. <laughs> Maybe not to the males who want to learn about grief. I have had a male read some of my books, oh, and yes. 
and I I joked that they might and they were reading it on a plane and I joked that they might need to put like it behind a magazine because they might (laughs) feel uncomfortable reading a pink book but oh I don't know I see men in pink t-shirts and jumpers around these days I think they're they're finally seeing the light (laughs) well I've just been to Italy again and and there's lots of men with pink jumpers and you know shirts and they're very trendy over there oh yes (laughs) and the butterflies the butterflies um well there's a couple of meanings butterflies um represent change and hope and endurance with themselves like coming from the caterpillar Mm -hmm. to the butterfly but for me it was more about I never kind of believed in signs from our deceased loved ones until dad left and there were a couple of things that just couldn't have been a coincidence just too bizarre Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the butterflies so much it was a couple of other things that were very bizarre but butterflies are another one for me that are a sign and when I feel the white butterflies flying around I just kind of feel like he's nearby and you know I think our loved ones are always with us just in a different form they're not physically with us but they're in our hearts especially with the parent we're sort of you know extension of who they are and who Mm. they were and they're always there and I can kind of almost always feel dad sort of giving me advice yeah I agree (laughs) I can can very much feel my grandparents to whom I was very close I think about them often and I feel like they're they still love me even though they're not here of course yeah yeah and so back to the book it's it's yep. divided into three parts, mm-hmm. and I'll get you to tell us about um, what those three parts are and um, what each one represents during sure. in the grief journey. So like my first book as well, it was um, three, Heartbreak, Healing, Happiness. This one's Grief, Grace, Gratitude. My next one's Lost, Love, Lesson. So it seems to now be <laughs> not only a pink theme, but a, a theme of three words that start mm. with the same letter. So I'm aiming for 26 books in the whole alphabet. Oh potentially that's amazing if I live that long I don't know what I'll do for <laughs> X <Z>. yeah <laughs> um but the first part of the book grief is about really getting you through that raw grief so trekking through that raw grief and all the twists and turns that that takes you on which can be quite difficult and I have um referred to Elizabeth Kubler Kubler-Ross's five-stage grief plan in there, which talks about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And then my also in the pink process, Mm -hmm. which I created, which was taking awareness for our grief, finding responsibility and not pushing the responsibility out to others, but saying, I own this, regardless of what happened, it's my grief. I'm the only one that can make a change to feel different. And then feeling all the feelings, sitting with those feelings, which um, there are many different ways to do that Mm -hmm. um, that I talk about. And then finding forgiveness so we can free ourselves and then coming to a point of acceptance. acceptance. So the first part of the book goes a lot into the depth with that and also creating a bit of a path of goodbye, as I call it. I walk through each of the different steps, the anticipatory grief, the lead up to the death and the final breath the final day the day after the funeral and with Mm. each part I share my story and then I give a bit of a chance for the person to then share their story Mm -hmm. in the form of journaling Um, because that taking us back there and reflecting on our grief is a way that we help to um, process it so by feeling it we process it by processing it we then begin to express it, and expressing it is the healing of it. Mm. So that's kind of the first part. And just of before the book. you go on, I'd just like to say I really love the way you shared your own story because for me, 
it felt like if you were reading this book, you were never alone. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it, grief, I think, is everyone experiences it probably somewhat differently, but there are some common themes and emotions. And it's comforting to know that other people have experienced that yes. too. Mm. And that's what I found with a lot of self development books. Uh, for want of a better word, self-development, um, or transformational books may be a better word, but they the, the good authors, I think, do share their story because yeah. other people can then relate or at least see maybe some parts of themselves yes. in that story, and you do. You don't feel so alone, and you think, oh, someone else has been through this. They've got to the end. They've coped. And when you're in that real place that you don't know where to turn or what to do, where I have been, you can go, you just might get that little pickup or that little piece of hope because you think, oh, I can do this. Oh, there's another another saying that I read that she did. I can do this. And that's why I like to share and I'm not, I don't hold back anything. I'll share everything. <laughs> the perfect guest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so on to the second part of the book. The second part is the uh, field of grace. Um, so that's more the sabbatical part. So that's finding our truth and finding ourselves in our new world. Once we're kind of at that point of acceptance, not necessarily acceptance being we're happy about things, but we know we're at where we're at and delving into and finding our own self love, um, writing a tribute to our loved ones. So maybe, um, gathering together some information about their, their history or some photos about them or writing all the things that you and them had together mm-hmm. and just you you end up with a bit of a tribute that you might um put in a nice little book or a little folder and a lot of my book comes back to journaling through things with questions etc etc and it does come with a second book that is a free download oh, right. when you get the first book and it's the pink grief journal so um you can print it out on a pdf and you can actually use that as a journal oh that's a good idea yeah can i just ask when uh, you were putting together the tribute about your father, did you find out things that you hadn't known about his life? Before? Yes, and we're still doing that three oh, years later. My sister is actually in charge of kind of the big project, but even recently when we were in Italy, we went to where my nana lived when she was one till eight years old that my dad had never been to. Oh, and we wow. went there and it was a bit hard to get to in this little town near Lake Como, which was not you know, lovely place to be, a little town called Boazzo. So we're still chasing down details of dad or dad's parents and and how he was when, when he grew up and where he came from. And, and it's all those kind of things. And I think for me, I'm so much more interested in all of that now. He's not here. And I was lucky I had 18 months with him before he passed away. So I was able to drill him with questions yes. of where he was from and what happened and stories about when he was young. And and it's finding all that information and speaking to other people about them as well and and just, you know, reconnecting mm. to them and their, their life. And learning about them uh, as, say, a friend rather than as a father. Mm. And yeah. did, when you visited uh, places in Italy that have a family connection for you, did you feel something? Did you feel like you belong there or something was there more than just this is another place as soon as I put my foot on Italian soil I mm. feel like I'm home oh that's well so nice. second time because Australia is yeah. just such a beautiful place to live you couldn't you know I wouldn't want to live in Italy forever but there's something about it I feel safe wandering through all of Rome and all those places with my mm. handbag over my shoulder and I you know and I went last time I went to Italy I went on my own and wandered around um, down Amalfi in Naples this time nice. we did I went with my beautiful sister so we could connect to dad again with her 
Um, and yeah, spent a lot of time wandering around and talking about dad and oh, that was, that does actually sound like a really gorgeous holiday and one that is um, appropriate to share with your yeah. family. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And also in that part of the book, the other bit we would do talk a little bit about is the yearnings because I think once someone passes it can stem a lot of stuff in us and for me I had that yearning to go to Italy and I had that yearning to go inwards and learn yoga and and a lot of those things can come up and I think that's we need to honor those things and Mm. and we can find some of our creativity in that and we can you know grow and you know become stronger and more resilient through our grief in our life yeah I Um, think you have to allow yourself to do that don't you yeah, mm. and it can be stepping out of the comfort zone a bit. And the last point in that bit is the is the signs that we get, and I talk mm. a little bit about that. And then the final part, the garden of gratitude. That's just the rewards we reap from the love that we had. Um, I talk about ten different gratitudes that I found: love, truth, purpose, surrender, living in the moment, and and five others. And just what I discovered from when I'd gone through the worst of the grief. There's mm. so many beautiful things to remember, and so many things I learned that grief taught me in my life and made me stronger. Mm. Um, yeah. I wish I had your book when when I was grieving my friend. I have to say. One, I've, I've found that um, my friend's death changed me profoundly. Yeah. I used to be a real worrier. I just, I just stopped worrying. It's interesting. It, it's wow. sad that it takes something that profound to make you change, which is something that's a bad habit, but it really did change me. Yeah. yeah, I guess for the better, ultimately. Yeah, well, mm. and it does. And I think that, you know, we sometimes all take life a little too seriously. It's about being in the moment. And um, the whole point, what I found, even when I was deep in my grief going, what is the point? Someone's born, then they die. What's the point of life? I had mm. a lot of those questions. Mm. But by the end of my journey, I realized the whole point is love. The whole point is not working in a corporate job. And <laughs> if that's all well and good and we need to yeah. pay the bills, I get all yes, of that. Of but the whole point is love. It's being around our loved ones, our, our children, our parents, our grandparents, our dogs, our birds, our cats, whatever. It's just love. That's the, the main thing. It's the thing that I guess keeps us here, keeps us connected. Mm. So you have mentioned a few times the uh, journaling and the, the pink grief journal. Um, so it sounds like for you, journaling was a very cathartic exercise mm. and it, it made you process your emotions. And so why do you think it is or what is it about the writing process that helps with healing? Um, for me, and look, it could be a painting for someone else. It mm, could be singing. True. It's just finding that outlet that you have. But journaling is really, you can just put pen to paper and without worrying about grammar or neatness or any of those things, is just writing what comes from the heart. Again, it could be painting to someone else because that could depict how they're feeling. But it gets us in touch with our feelings and helps us to know ourselves a little better and find that authenticity of what are we really feeling because we can so easily mask it with our busyness and our families that we don't really know what's happening inside and if we leave it too long and we don't find it we'll get sick Mm. you know and and even through the process of my grief 
And facing it as well as I did, I came down with a thyroid disorder, underactive thyroid, Hashimoto's disease, and it came out of nowhere, so I had to deal with that at the same time. Yeah, because that's an autoimmune disease. It mm. was. And and I went on my medication, and I have since was on it for a year and a So after I'd been on my medication for a year, I was going, my antibodies were coming down, and I could come off my medication. But it really, one of the other big things I learned is that we have to look after our health. You know, and for me, it was all the stress and probably the grief stress that mm. drove me to an autoimmune disease that was probably waiting and lingering in the background from a lifetime of sugar and those kinds of bad foods. But um, so we really do need to deal with that stress that's there and clear that mental clutter. And journaling is a very, very good way to do it or any creative outlet that works for you. Yeah, I guess it lets you sort of put something down and then perhaps move on mm. or discover something else. Yeah, it does. Um, and apart from physical health, which you just mentioned, you talk a lot about self-love and how to cultivate that. So can you talk a bit about that and why that's so important? Self-love is about honouring and respecting and valuing who we are. Um, we're very good at having our friend turn up and they're upset and we'll shower love on them and help them. And and yet when it's ourselves, we berate ourselves, we criticise, we try to be a perfectionist, an achievement junkie, nothing's ever good enough. Um, but we need to turn that around and be more kind to ourselves mm-hmm. and gentle and know that we're doing the best we can at any one time. And in the past, we did the best we can. And that can lead us to a place of finding a lot more peace and a lot more calmness and just looking after ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to do in this society because there's so much happening. I agree. I I mean, that's one of the quests of this well-being podcast is to find out how to best look after ourselves and to love well and live well and be healthy. But I struggle as uh, with that too. I think there's so many pressures all the time. I always feel like I'm never on top of things. Yes, and yeah. that and that's exactly what happens. And it's knowing that we can have a to-do list. And we can put the to-do list down and go and have a cup of tea. Mm. The to-do list will t- still be there. And I know perfectly <laughs> well because I'm a type A personality, which is busy, 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 get the to-do list done. Yeah. But I've learned, oh, I'll just flip that little job into tomorrow now. I yes. don't think I want to do that today. And I've learned to do that. I still fail and I still falter at times. But just, yeah, really learning to look after ourselves. Hence why I wanted to take up yoga. I do a lot of meditation as well and journaling. And, and I can feel when I'm off balance now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I need to, um, you know, pull myself back and be a bit more gentle. So you're more in tune, you think, with Much yourself? Much more in tune, mm. yes, than I was even three years ago. So oh, that's the grief really helps interesting. that. Mm. Um, but as has, you know, the thyroid issues, it pu- pushes you into having to look after yourself more and, yes. and, and be self-loving. I always think it's a shame that it takes something like that for us to learn the lesson. I know. It's a shame we can't kind of come to life with more wisdom about you know looking after ourselves looking out for others it usually takes an illness or some kind of tragedy to to sort of realize those things yeah and I think we do come into the world with no cares and concerns Mm. and then you know life and just the human condition it's just the way it is yeah Um, but there's so many mental illnesses and things out there now um, and some can't be avoided unfortunately but I think there are a lot that can if we really invest that time and energy but sometimes it can feel like a full-time job looking after ourselves I feel like that (laughs) 
constantly at the physio and <laughs> this and that, <laughs> keeping myself moving. But, but it's worth it for me because I love yeah. to run and things like that. So That's um, right. And then I thought, um, let's talk about death. So in the Western culture, unlike Buddhism, where they believe in impermanence and death leads to rebirth, so this is these teachings make people much more comfortable with the idea of death. It's something. It's just the next phase in a long series of lives, I guess you could say. But here, um, often people feel really isolated and alone when they're going through the grieving process, even though most of us have either been through it or will certainly go through it at some point. So when it does happen, a lot of us are kind of flailing. We don't really know what to expect. So what are your thoughts about how we approach death and grieving in our Western world? Yeah, and I understand the Buddhism side of it a little bit because I've delved into that a little and the yoga's a little similar to that too. And mm. and I think in our Western world, we're just not comfortable with sitting with discomfort either. No. Um, and that's what yoga can teach you to um to be able to just sit despite what feelings are rising up Mm. and and i think we all could get a little bit better at being able to be comfortable with that discomfort and often if a friend comes over and they're crying it's like no you know it's okay let's stop crying let's have a cup of tea but often that person needs to express those feelings it's not about stopping the crying it's just about sitting and listening with them and the more we're comfortable with our own selves not necessarily our grief but our own selves Mm -hmm. the more we can sit with someone else that's grieving so i think a lot of the reason that we can't as a Western world, do very well is because we can't do very well with our own stuff. Mm. So then someone else comes along and they've got their stuff coming up. It highlights our stuff that comes up. Then we don't feel as good. So we just want to get away from so it. Push it all away. Push it all away. Let's have a cup of tea and let's talk about the the movie on at the cinema or whatever rather than if you're comfortable in yourself or in your grief and with your emotions, someone else sitting there talking about it's not going to highlight your own mm. stuff. And you can just let them talk. And I guess you can be in the moment with them. Yeah. And that's why if you find a good counsellor, it's great because you can, it's all about you. You can talk and you can cry and you can let stuff out, which I did more so not with dad, but with a relationship broke up. I found a very good coach and I could just offload everything and I just worked everything out. She'd hardly said anything (laughs) because all of a sudden by my talking, I could work out where I needed to go with this relationship, what was right for me. And it's the same with grief, being able to, be with someone who allows you to cry if you need to cry. Mm. Or... But sometimes you think, well, I think, oh, I don't want to be a burden to my friends. Mm. So there's that as yeah. well. So maybe that's where a counsellor comes in. Yeah, and counsellors mm. are good. I had a friend once when years ago when I broke up with another boyfriend. She said, you sound really angry. You need to scream. I'm like, I can't scream. <laughs> she took me in the car up to the hills when no one was around and gave me scream therapy. I was so oh, like, oh, my fantastic. God. But, you know, you need to get uh, emotions are energy in our mm. body, whether it's anger, as long as we're not hurting anyone or ourselves, and crying and fear, just being able to just get the energy out. And if you sit in a meditation, and I do it now with uh, emotion of sadness, I can all of a sudden just feel this emotion kind of rising from down in the pelvis region all the way up through the body. And I just keep breathing. The tears start and I don't buy into the thoughts. I just let the thoughts jump up and pass me by. Don't attach, don't judge. And the emotion just clears. And then that's the endorphins, or as Mm. I call them, the little endorphinis, because they're all really happy running around our body. They make us feel better. We've cleared whatever piece of stuck 
stuckness, yeah. if that's a word, that, that came up, um, it's cleared it out until next time. Yes. But then I guess if you've got that skill, when the emotions arise again, you're not scared of them. You know exactly. that you can move through it. Yes. And that's mm. what I've learned. I'm not frightened of my emotions anymore. And back to a question about your book. Do you think yeah. people should read your book, even if they have not gone through the grief process? Yes, I think it's a good idea. It depends kind of what interests they have. But mm. when we're deep in our grief, we can't think very rationally. We're kind of like just thrown into this space where the earth is just spinning. And we, if we don't have any knowledge about grief, we don't really know what to do. But if we read it beforehand and a little bit of that knowledge sinks in somewhere inside of us, when the grief does arise, we might be able to tap into what we learned. Because mm. with anything, the more we understand something, the more we can deal with it. So grief is the same as a little bit of understanding behind it, a little bit of theory to know that all of these emotions are, are normal. There are some that go beyond normal and we need some help with them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the, the initial stuff is just normal stuff we need to deal with rather mm. than maybe be frightened of it. Yeah, I remember those first days just feeling just so fragile yeah like you know someone could just knock you over just with yeah. a little push or yeah but then you know you do get through that as we know I remember that as well walking down you know at the shops nearby feeling in winter and having a jacket on and just feeling like it was just me in the world and I just wanted to wrap myself up in my little jacket in my world and I, I was so disconnected from everyone else mm. and I just felt so yeah fragile was or raw mm. would be the word yeah yeah and, and what what are some of the responses you've had to your book? Um, yeah, obviously all good ones. Maybe the ones that have read it that didn't like it didn't respond. <laughs> Hopefully no one's done that and didn't like it. But um, one girl said to me, and she was in the States, she was lovely. She said, um, I have read so many books on grief and I think her partner died from suicide. So it's oh, a little different sad. than just a father. Um, and she said, this is the best book I have ever read on grief. She said, I'm telling everyone in my oh, Facebook wonderful. group. Um, so that was wonderful. And just that it was a gentle um, book with a spiritual kind of edge and just big thanks from people. So it's been lovely. I've got so some lovely comments. You've really helped people. Yeah, I know. Is, and that's, yeah. that's really rewarding. Um, and we'll just quickly touch on some of the other things you do, Lara, because you, you do a lot even though you're um, – trying to live in the moment <laughs> you still seem yes. to fit a lot yes. in um you've you have mentioned your other book um heartbreak healing and happiness can yes. you just give us a quick rundown of what that one's about so i wrote this um about six months to a year after i broke up with a about a five-year relationship and i'd wanted to write a book for 10 years mm. and i had a lot of um self-development material um, and then one day I just sat down on my bed with a big book all these colored pencils and write that's it I'm going to write my book wow and I did two years later it came to fruition so it's more about picking yourself up after a heartbreak so there's a little bit of grieving in there but it's more from a, a relationship breakup or maybe you lose your job or something like that 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 that, that, um, that can derail us. you yeah, yeah but not grief and then it talks, um, goes into, uh, again, unearthing your true self and really finding our strengths, our weaknesses, our passions, our desires, our dislikes, all of those things and writing a big kind of pink heart print, I call it, about ourselves, really rediscovering who we are because we can get really lost when we have a heartbreak. 
and learning about our inner critic and our negative voice, which I call Lady Chitter Chatter. <laughs> and then uh, the happiness part of the book is about finding maybe a new partner and finding our self-love again and finding our passion and our purpose in life and why we're here and what we want to do. Mm. So that's kind of got, yeah, it's, it's some of it's similar. Um, some of it's quite different. Yeah, I guess um, one of the differences that just springs to my mind is in the case of grief, the person who has died still loves you Mm. but in the case of heartbreak or a relationship breakup it can be quite destructive and it can really damage your self-esteem I imagine Mm. it can and that's what happened to me and I had to go through all the steps to refine who I was and who I wanted to be maybe yeah Mm. and that's I I guess if someone doesn't go through that process it, it can really impact their lives forever it can yeah and people then don't want to go into another relationship Mm. or they don't think they can find another job so again it's going inside it's taking that journey inwards and taking that um, first step that comes from the center of our heart to healing ourselves and giving that commitment to that healing and giving that commitment to ourselves which is self-love and not being sorry for ourselves and sad for ourselves which you can do for a while but then we need to pick ourselves up that's the saying, dust ourselves off yes. <laughs> and keep going. And then the next book you're writing also deals with the subject of grief. Yes. But this is going to be about pet grief. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Mm. So Lost Love and Lessons is um, the book about, the, with the backdrop again of me losing my golden retriever. He was 15, called Maxie, and he was my first ever fur child. And I don't have children, so he was more than special and it took me a long I think at least six months I was crying every day Um, and because it was my first real experience of grief I'd had my grandparents but that was a long time prior that experience brought up a whole host of other stuff it took me back to when my parents broke up when I was 16 so it wasn't just the grief I was dealing with with losing Matt losing Max it was all this other stuff and it was actually reasonably quite timely because I dealt with all of that then so when dad died Uh, a couple of years later I didn't have any other stuff it was just a really nice clean grief with dad but grief can bring up a whole host of other issues that you have that make every makes everything really difficult and pet grief then is also quite misunderstood in our community Mm. some people don't have pets they don't get oh just get another dog you know it doesn't matter but it they can be your one and only they can be an old person that has a dog they can be your link to a a lost loved loved lost one um Yes, so I'm writing they, that one now. They also bring a sense of community. Oh, yes. Pets. So if you've been walking your dog every day when see the same people in the park and suddenly you don't have your dog anymore. Yes. Very sad. And they're very unconditional love dogs. Yes. They really, they can be a bit naughty at times and dig up <laughs> the backyard like my current 12-year-old golden retriever does. But they just do deliver that unconditional love that yeah. we seek from everyone and often we can't find because we place conditions and expectations on our loved ones and they often can't meet up to them Mm, but dogs they never disappoint (laughs) um and then i think it's time to probably wrap this up i could i could talk to you forever but uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'd just like to ask the final question that i ask all my guests if you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being what would they be can i have three you can have three (laughs) so one would be yoga and meditation because that has 
absolutely changed my life. Oh, that's Absolutely great. has brought me, um, my body more into that rest and digest and healing function that we just don't see in our life. We need to get out of the gyms and we need to get onto the yoga mats because the gyms just stress out our bodies even more mm-hmm. with that adrenaline and cortisol. So that would be one, I think. The second one would be we need to have our sleep. So yes, many of us going totally to bed at 12, agree. 1 in the morning and our body doesn't get a chance to heal. That's when it restores itself. Mm. And the third, get a dog. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I agree with all of those. In fact, my next guest after you is a sleep expert. Ah, wonderful. that would be interesting. Um, And then if people would like to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, My website, which is www.lifeinthepink.com.au, that has my blog, my books. I have an e-course that tells tells people if they're local about my yoga um yeah so that's the best place and with saying that just in case i don't get asked the question but i'm gonna say this anyway that i just need to say to everyone that don't fear the grief because without grief there is no love Mm. beautiful and true yes (laughs) thank you very much lara it's lovely to have you on as a guest thank you for having me it's been wonderful that was lara casanova Lara has kindly given me a copy of her first book, Heartbreak, Healing and Happiness, and her recent book, Grief, Grace and Gratitude, to give away. If you would like a copy of one of these, I'll send it to the first two people who contact me via my website. Also, you can find my review of Grief, Grace and Gratitude on the books page of my website. You can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcast. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website, at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed, and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, Think well.